0: You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. All of the students enrolled in the Lesson Horse program are are part of the Horsemanship Academy, which means that for every mounted lesson they get, they also have an unmounted lesson. So most of my students ride once a week and then come once a week as well to an unmounted lesson where they learn you know, age and level appropriate skills. We currently have adopted the horse sense learning levels program. So we work with that. And it's this great curriculum based program that the students really know, okay, you know, I've learned how to safely lead a horse. I truly understand the barn rules. I can fit my own helmet. I can tack up my own horse. I know what the grooming tools are called and I know what they do. And then you working your way through eventually being able to lunge, being able to appropriately medicate, right? Give a tube a worm or ulcer guard, something like that. and all you know, all the way up through the levels, leg wrapping, polo wrapping, the hands-on things that are so easy for the students that don't own their own horse to never truly learn how to do well with instruction on those things outside of maybe YouTube if they're the kid that's really interested. So that when they graduate to either owning their own horse or maybe leasing a horse or maybe go to college and ride on a team, that they have all of those skills that they need. And they don't suddenly find themselves in a position where, you know, they have a horse, but they don't know anything about taking care of it. And they become so reliant on someone to help them with that. And I feel like the kids really need to understand the importance in so much goes into riding these horses. Like so much work goes into that one hour long lesson. That understanding everything behind the scenes gives them so much more compassion for the horse and also so much more understanding of what they're trying to accomplish.
1: Welcome to the Practical Horseman podcast, featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Julia Boutenhouse, and this week's episode is with Practical Horseman's 2023 Trainer of the Year, Liz Reeder. The Practical Horseman Trainer of the Year program is designed to honor the unsung heroes of our sport. Trainers who work tirelessly to improve the education of both riders and horses. Entrants were nominated by an individual to be entered into the contest, and out of all the trainers nominated, 10 finalists were selected, with one earning the title of Trainer of the Year. Liz's dedication, positivity, and excellence in the art of training and horsemanship at her pair of aces stables in Reno, Nevada, has helped her inspire and educate riders for years. To ensure her students are as well-versed in riding as they are in horsemanship, Liz conducts a year-round horsemanship academy to teach the fundamentals to everyone who steps into her stable. As a rider and competitor herself, Liz has experience in both dressage and hunter jumpers. She believes that lessons from both disciplines can be applied to one another to create a more well-rounded education for herself, her students, and her horses. Liz also works as an educator and supporter in her local equestrian community. As president of her local horse show association, Liz assists all the trainers in the area with their clinics, horse shows, and businesses. And at a time when many farms and agricultural properties are being developed into housing, Liz remains committed to her horses and the popular old farm that provides summer camps for children and hosts local horse shows. In this episode, get to know Practical Horseman's 2023 Trainer of the Year and learn how and why Liz earned the title. Before we dive into the podcast with Liz, I'd like to thank the sponsor of Practical Horseman's Trainer of the Year program and sponsor of this episode, Cosequin, and share their message. Cosequin ASU joint and hoof pellets contain quality ingredients to support joint and hoof health and leave out the fillers molasses and alfalfa, all while delivering the taste that horses love. The colors of their ingredients shine through for a difference you can see. Visit cosequinequine.com to learn more. Now, enjoy the episode with Liz. Well, I have Liz Reeder today. Congratulations on being selected as the Practical Horseman's Trainer of the Year. How are you feeling about that?
0: I am feeling so excited. It was um, definitely, definitely an honor and unexpected, but it's really, really an exciting thing to be selected for. And did
1: you know that your students and friends had selected you and uh, submitted an application for you to become trainer of the year or was it a surprise? I,
0: it, it was a total surprise. I had no idea that um, one of my students, longtime friends and barn owner, Landis, had nominated me. Um, and then when I got the notification from her that I was a top 10 finalist, I was in total shock. I had no idea any of that was going on in the background. I I was actually just arrived at a horse show in Sacramento and I was reading through my emails and chatting on the phone with one of my other friends. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, I guess there's this practical horseman thing that's happening. And then I like sat down and actually read the email and I was like, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't what I thought it was. I just thought, um, you know, Landis was like, Oh yeah, you know, you're top 10 in our eyes. We really appreciate you. And then I like really read through the email and, And second glance, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm like actually a top 10 finalist for something. And I had no idea it was happening. So I was really, really just really surprised.
1: Well, that's amazing of them to put you forward for it. And you're so deserving of the award. So can you tell us a little bit about your business?
0: Yeah, so my business, I started it really, really small. Oh, my gosh, 15, 17 years ago, back in 2006. And then went full time with it shortly after that we incorporated in 2014 and we've been based out of Reno, Nevada the whole time. So there's two sides to it. There's the riding academy where I've got, you know, lessons on lesson horses and students that can come in and get started with the sport. And then I run a full service board and training piece as well, uh, which I keep pretty small. I usually have 10 to 13 courses in training and then the academy, um, has grown like crazy. It's been really, really fun to get so many kids introduced to the sport and, you know, finding out if this is something that they're really passionate about or not. Um, and having the opportunity for them to do so, um, in Reno is really, is really cool.
1: And in the application that was sent to us for Trainer of the Year, it was mentioned that so your farm pair of aces stables in Reno, there are some contentions over the land around it and that you've been working really really hard um to keep that land as you know, an equestrian facility. Can you uh, elaborate on that a little bit?
0: Yeah, it's been a struggle. So we moved into this facility. The facility has been in town and known to be an equestrian facility for decades now. We're talking like 50 years. Um, Started back in the 70s. And we moved in in 2019, really refreshed the place. And we're trying to get a permit to build an indoor arena um, over one of the existing outdoor arenas. And we've, we've kind of landed ourselves in this neighborhood contention where there's some people that certainly don't understand the project. There's a lot of misinformation out there about the project. You know, we've got people that are claiming we're going to have rodeos every weekend and, you know, wild, just wild things like that. Um, so we're we're still in the middle of this uphill battle to try and get the permit for our indoor arena and try to be able to continue um, doing what we do. So we're we're at the stage where you know the business thankfully is super, super stable. There's no contention about the business being allowed to be there, but the neighbors um, that aren't even direct neighbors, it's kind of a few community members that live a mile, a mile and a half away are just really, really throwing down and um, making it difficult to, to get everything kind of processed through permitting so that we can have an indoor. So it's been, it's been a struggle that way for sure. Well,
1: I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm also glad to hear that you're fighting so hard for, you know, your program and your, your facility. So, um, I want to go into your background a little bit here now too. Do you always know that you wanted to be a trainer? Was that always a calling for you?
0: It was much to, um, potentially my parents dismay early on. I had always wanted to be a trainer. Like I was a little kid that grew up. I want to be a horse trainer. I want to be a horse trainer. Um, I was really, really blessed and supported by my parents to get horses about when I turned 12, um, and rode through the circuit and the hunter jumper world and a little bit of dressage. And it's just something that I always wanted to do. I did follow the traditional path, right? I went to high school, I graduated, I went to college, I graduated, I had a real job and through college, I always kind of trained and did a little lessons on the side. And then after a couple of years of that, it had grown enough to where I could take that step and, really run it as my own business and kind of have, have, I don't have a better way to say it, but I guess like the dream that I'd kind of always had as a kid, I was able to really mold that into what I wanted and have been able to build that as a business over the past almost 10 years now.
1: And can you tell us a little bit more about your own riding career? You said, you know, you grew up in the hunter-jumper world and then a little bit of dressage. So could you tell us what that looked like for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I started the way every kid starts, right? Lessons on lesson horses. When I was little, my parents enrolled me in lessons. I don't know. Gosh, I was probably five years old and, and did that until I was 12, got my own horses, um, grew up in the hunter jumper world. I was actually in Europe at the time. So I was really, really lucky to have a super strong foundation there. I was in Germany for three years. um, when we got, when I got my first horse and I was able to learn all of the things, um, from the horsemanship from the ground up through the dressage world, through the hunter jumper world. And it really influenced, um, me as a person and me as a rider and how I run my business. So as I've worked my way through my career, I've done a little bit of everything. So I've actually earned my USDF bronze, silver, and gold medals, as well as my silver freestyle bar. And I'm working on my gold freestyle bar now. And then on the hunter jumper side, I've ridden through you know, all of the hunter options, derbies, things like that, developing the young and the green horses. And then in the jumper side, I've been competing meter 20, meter 25, for a while, in my younger years as a teenager, I had a really cool Grand Prix horse. So I was able to jump her up a little bit bigger. And I've got some younger ones coming up in the barn now for development as well for the bigger ring. So it's been really, really fun to get to do a little bit of everything. And it's influenced me so much as far as how the whole horse works. Like being able to ride through the Grand Prix and dressage really has helped me understand The balance that I can create in the jumpers and how to make that really subtle in the hunters and how all of those pieces fit together has um, been such a fun journey for me in my riding.
1: That kind of answers my next question a little bit, but so how do you incorporate, you know, your education with the hunter jumpers combined with the dressage when you're teaching your students?
0: I think you know dressage as a competitive sport is. One piece and certainly the frame and the balance that you start asking for in those upper levels, right? You don't want your hunter going around in a Grand Prix dressage frame, but you do want them going around in a training frame. And you do need them to be truly connected from you know that hind leg all the way through the top line, stretching down um through the neck, right? The bascule and everything that's created over the jump comes from that connection and that balance and that subtlety. So being able to have such a strong understanding of dressage really relates to the flat work and the balance and the symmetry that we work with in the hunters and the jumpers and their reaction and response time to the aids, both forward and back. And really being able to incorporate all of that, not just when I'm training the horse, but teach it to the students. So I've got my hunter and my jumper riders, you know, to me, all of them should be more than capable of taking their horse down center line in a dressage test if they wanted to and doing really well because they have, they have the basics. They have the balance. They have the straightness. They have a, you know, nice, easy connection to the horse's mouth. And they've got that relaxation that's so, so important. So when you go in the ring, you're not having to lunge your horse for days or, you know, have a horse that is, even if it gets nervous and it's young or it's green, that it can come back onto those aids because it knows that they're there and the students know how to apply them and get that, you know, balance and suppleness from the horse.
1: I think it's amazing that you can bring all of that to your students.
0: Uh, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. I certainly strive to. I don't know that it's always the most successful, but that is that is my goal, right? Is to be able to bring all of those mm-hmm. pieces together and have the students really understand it. Mm-hmm.
1: And I'd like to ask you a little bit about the atmosphere at your barn, at Pair of Aces Stables. We heard a lot from you know your students and your friends in the video about um, how you make the atmosphere so positive and so great. So I'd like to hear a little bit about it from your perspective as well.
0: Uh, that's such a great question. For me, the culture at the barn is so 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 important. Even though riding isn't really a team sport, it it absolutely is, right? We all we all work together. It's not just you and your horse. It's you, your horse, your coach, your trainer. You've got your family. You've got your groom. You've got your friends that are supporting you. You've got a vet. You've got a farrier. You have all of these people that are so vested in helping you and your horse succeed. And I try to remember that in everything that I do. So. It's really fun because I've got groups of kids that show and they're they're really competitive and they can be in the same classes and they are absolutely standing at the gate cheering the other one on. There's no mean girls, there's no drama, there's, you know, none of this contention within the barn. Everybody is really truly treating it as a big team and we are all supporting each other from the little lesson kid that's learning how to bridle is you know, mentored by my three foot six big eck rider in the ring and very, very happily so it's not something that anybody thinks twice about. It's just something that kind of naturally occurs. And it's the expectations that we set a little bit as far as, you know, this is this is our community and this is how we treat each other. And the culture has just continued to grow in that aspect. And it's it's probably one of my favorite things about my barn. Like I love going to work every day because I know that everybody there is truly on the same team and we're all working as a group together. We all want to be there. Um, My students, you know, tend to say the same thing. The parents of the lesson kids say the same thing. It's so fun to have these, these groups of kids and these groups of adults that are friends inside the barn, friends outside the barn and able to truly support each other and cheer each other on. Whether it's in a lesson accomplishing a task that's, you know, scary or difficult for a kid, or, you know, at the show ring at finals in the same class, everybody's there cheering for each other.
1: And I love that you, you know, talk about this amazing support between everybody at competitions. So when you are competing, how do you support your students say when, they get nervous before a class or do you have any kind of routine before a big competition that goes into, you know, that support network that you have as a bard and as a trainer for your students?
0: Oh, that's a really tough one to answer. Um, I think each student <laughs> is different <laughs> and I think the way that they express their nerves or their um, their anxiety is different. And I think people get it at different times. Like I have some adults that I get really, really nervous the week before a show, and then their lessons are just, they just don't go smoothly. Right. Cause they're riding, you know, in anticipation of that show already. So I change their lesson program at home to where I know I can set them up to be successful and they can feel really good going into the ring. The kids that get nervous in the ring, you know, we, we've got a lot of sports psychology pieces that we work with as well that really come into play, not just in our day-to-day stuff at home, but also ringside. And I've got so many great tools I've picked up from coach Daniel Stewart along the way. I've been working with him for about 10 years now. He comes to our barn before show season every year and does a clinic. And, um, it's so much fun to see him either creating mantras for the kids or helping me kind of dig into finding like, okay, you know, for this kid, I really think this is going to work. Let's try that. Or going back to his exercises, right? He makes things so fun, but so difficult. So if I've got kids like really getting in their head in the warm-up, I can just pull out one of those exercises and be like, hey, you know what? You know how to ride. We're here. You've done all your homework. Let's just, you know, count to three before each fence and land in half out and look for the next one and make it fun. And I can just get them into such a better mental space. So my kids go, go to the ring generally really prepared and they've they are pretty darn pressure-proof so it's been that's been a huge influence for me um being able to pull on all of that as needed and kind of have so many different tools in my toolbox
1: I've actually I've done quite a few clinics with Daniel Stewart myself he's really amazing to work with (laughs) he really Mm -hmm. challenges you
0: oh my gosh, it's, it's, sees so does. Those clinics are so difficult, but at the same time, so incredibly upbeat. And you just walk away feeling like you can conquer the world. You're like, oh my gosh, I saw my distance from eight strides out and I did this and I did this. And I remember to do that and I am amazing. And so I try so hard to make sure I can bring that, bring that to my students in those times mm-hmm. of need.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And can you talk about
1: as a trainer, some of your most important or favorable successes that your students have had that have made you just as a trainer, absolutely so proud of your of your students, which I'm sure that you get every day. But if you could pick a couple that just really stood out for you in your career. Oh,
0: my gosh. Um yeah, like there are those moments where ringside, like you get a little bit teary because, you know, you've got the mom standing there, the dad standing there, the kids standing there. And like everyone's now happy crying as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, the most recent one, I had a student who was off to college this year in May. She'd ridden in a number of derbies and had always placed but couldn't quite clinch the win. And she did the National Junior Am Derby at the Sonoma Horse Park this year and just laid it down. She won. The first round and then went in and just laid it down in the handy as well and then just came out over all the winner. And that one was so cool because especially going into her last season, something she'd really been fighting for to have her be able to just walk into that ring. And she laid down um the high score of the day from it was the same track for the professionals, right? And she just, just laid it down. It was a beautiful round, so well ridden. And then a few years back I had a student at Nationals who was, you know, one One champion of her division when she was just coming up through the two foot six affiliates. So those are always fun moments too. And then, um, I think another one that was really cool for me last year at nationals, um, Annalise Appleseth, who's a dear friend of mine and also a trainer in Reno. And we really help each other out quite a bit. She was on maternity leave last year, so I was riding her horses for her going into nationals. And there's one student there on a really unconventional jumper that had worked so hard. You know, the horse was a killpen rescue, and she's such a cool, quirky little pony mare. And um, that kid ended up walking away division champion. And it was just such an emotional moment for everybody.
1: I can imagine, I mean, you as a trainer, but then also, you know, the way you speak about your incredible relationship and culture at your barn, everybody must have been so absolutely elated when these big things happen, not only for that person, but just happiness throughout the barn in these moments.
0: Oh, for sure. Because you've got this, I mean, it's everybody really, truly just so happy and so excited for the person that wins. And nobody has this idea that they're left out or that they can't do this or that they weren't good enough. Like it's just everybody's truly, truly supportive of the entire team. And for me to be able to stand back and watch Annalise work with the student and work with this horse and have them, you know, continue to go throughout the throughout the season, all the struggles I face to just be able to walk into that ring and know that they were able to lay that down and And, you know, be a very small part of that in the way that Annalise was able, again, to like coach, right? I rode the horse the first day, but after that, it's all on her. But to see that team piece come into play that way and everybody from both barns just being so excited was awesome.
1: And backing up a little bit to your training again, would you say that you have a a training philosophy or any kind of teaching style that you could explain?
0: Uh, I for sure do. Explaining it gets possibly possibly tricky. Mm-hmm. But um, I think for me, it always comes back to looking at things from the whole horse perspective. So I try to make sure that anything we're asking the horse to do is a question that they understand and a question that they physically can do. You know, and you incrementally increase those things as you go. And it's the same thing with the students and the riders. You know, it has to be in increments. You have to have the right building blocks. You have to make sure that all of the basics are there and you have to go back to the basics really, really often, which um, as long as you make them fun, doesn't have to be boring. And I I try to explain that to the kids and the parents early on. because they're like, well, this is the thing we did two years ago. And it's like, it is, but you're doing it with a different intent now and you're doing it with a different feel now. So to me, you know, always going back to those basics and those building blocks, making sure that the questions... Are fun and able to be answered with an appropriate level of challenge, you're always putting the horse first and you're trying to keep things within a learning zone. So kind of pushing them past that comfort zone, not getting into a fear zone, at least when you can avoid it, they're obviously big animals and sometimes, sometimes things happen, but, you know, always working towards that next step, go back and test, test the training horse shows are really great for that. Cause you kind of find those holes where you're like, Oh, yep. Under pressure, you lose this piece or when the horse gets nervous, we lose this piece. Or, you know, when the, when the course asks a question of two left rollbacks in a row, we don't have the strength to then do, you know, really do that second dump. Well, you can use all those pieces to go back and kind of tweak a little bit, whatever you need to, and, and focus on that at home.
1: And do you have an, a favorite exercise at home or any type of work that you think is extremely important You know, back at home when you're training?
0: Oh, transitions and half faults. I don't think you can do enough of them. Um, really, really, truly making sure that a student understands how to apply a half fault and that they can do different things, right? Both for extension and for collection or balance and all of that. So I love exercises that have the students doing lots and lots and lots of transitions be that my walk trotters from the beginning you know really stop at this pole or really stop between these cones and then trot to here just really really working on the application of the aids and the immediate response from the horse I think those two things if you've got that um, and you add a little bit of bend and suppleness everything else will kind of follow so I love any type of exercise it'll be you know level appropriate that involves how faults and transitions.
1: And this is a little bit similar, but when you're teaching your students, do you ever find that there's like one thing that needs to be worked on more often or is more difficult for a lot of different students?
0: Absolutely. I have to say the learning to follow the cancer with the arm. I think to me, that is something I have never very, very rarely, I don't want to say never, but had a student that can just do that naturally, really learning to truly follow the horse's mouth, you know, a little bit at the walk, but especially when they start to canter, that feel is, is really difficult. And it's a little bit challenging to teach, but, um, I think that's something that I come back to all the time at every level of riding. is that elastic connection through the elbow you learn to use your shoulders and your core the right way so that your arm can truly follow at the canter.
1: And I understand that you are the president, correct, of your local hunter jumper association?
0: I am. So I have been president for six or seven years now of the Sierra Nevada Horse Sew Association. And I was on the board for a couple of years before that. It's, um, it's its own challenge for sure, but it's an organization that's been around for over 30 years now. And the Reno area actually has an incredibly strong um, hunter jumper, like local level circuit, horse association. We probably have 12 to 15 shows a year. We do a benefit show, we do a huge year end awards banquet um, at the Atlantis every year with prizes for the top five from every division. And it's grown every single year. So there's always stuff that we're looking to manage is always stuff that we're looking to make better. Um, And working with the board has definitely taught me a lot of things from the, a lot of things from a perspective of having to really, you know, we've got moms on the boards, we've got trainers on the boards, we've got um, volunteers on the boards that maybe their kid rode. Our secretary is amazing. Her kid rode through the circuit and has long since graduated and out, but she stayed on as the secretary and she's so strong with the organization and the office skills Um, How to kind of like funnel all of those things together um, and get everybody with so many different perspectives trying to work together towards the same end goal. So that's been a learning curve for me, for sure. But it's been a it's been a good challenge in my life.
1: What inspired you to get involved with that to begin with?
0: Um, Honestly, I knew the board needed some help and some volunteers. We are always reaching out telling people, you know, hey, if you're interested, get involved, if you're interested, get involved. So one day, years ago, I was interested and I got involved and um a couple of years in the existing president needed to step down, and everyone on the board just kind of looked at me, and then I was like, "Hold on a second, I need to really think about this because that's a that's a commitment that I'm not sure I'm ready for, but they kind of talked me into it, and um Here we are.
1: And you also mentioned at the beginning that not only do you have, you know, a full training and boarding business, but you also have a horsemanship academy as well. So can you tell me a little bit about what that looks like?
0: Yeah, so the horsemanship academy is our lesson on lesson horses. So I've got it framed as a horsemanship academy because coming through the European system as a kid, um... You know, from from twelve to fifteen, I really learned. If you wanted to show and you wanted to compete, you had to go through your right to upside hands in Germany. So you had to know the horsemanship, you had to ride dressage, you had to ride the hunter jumpers, and and take these national tests to prove your proficiency in those things if you wanted to advance. And to me, that was just such a big, a big piece of how I learned. And I'm able to be you know really hands on with all the horses, and and I really understand. You know, what quality care is and how to take care of my tack and how to truly groom a horse and how to evaluate if their legs are swollen. And I learned all of that at at 12, right? Like, was I really good at it at 12? Probably not. But I learned that those are things I'm supposed to be at least thinking about. So when I did the lesson on lesson horse program, it was really important to me to make sure I incorporated that. And it's changed a little bit throughout the years with guidance from um, a really great business group that's helped me um, on on the business side of how to put it together. But all of the students enrolled in the lesson horse program are, are part of the Horsemanship Academy, which means that for every mounted lesson they get, they also have an unmounted lesson. So most of my students ride once a week and then come once a week as well to an unmounted lesson where they learn, you know, age and level appropriate skills. We currently have adopted the horse sense learning levels program. So we work with that, and it's this great curriculum-based program that the students really know. Okay, you know, I've learned how to safely lead a horse. I truly understand the barn rules. I can fit my own helmet. I can tack up my own horse. I know what the grooming tools are called, and I know what they do. And then you working your way through, eventually being able to lunge, being able to appropriately medicate, right? Give a tube a worm or ulcer guard, something like that. Um, and all you know, all the way up through the levels: leg wrapping, polo wrapping, the hands-on things that are so easy for the students that don't own their own horse to never truly learn how to do well with instruction on those things outside of maybe YouTube if they're the kid that's really interested so that when they graduate to either owning their own horse or maybe leasing a horse or maybe go to college and ride on a team that they have all of those skills that they need and they don't suddenly find themselves in a position where you know they have a horse but they don't know anything about taking care of it. And they become so reliant on someone to help them with that. And I feel like the kids really need to understand the importance in, so much goes into riding these horses. Like So much work goes into that one hour long lesson, that understanding everything behind the scenes gives them so much more compassion for the horse and also so much more understanding of what they're trying to accomplish.
1: Well, I really commend you because you're absolutely shaping, you know, the young generation of rider, riders and horse people. So just wrapping up here, I have a couple more questions. Um, as far as you as a trainer, you know, your goals, what's next for you guys, you know, in the long run, wh- where do you see yourself say in like 10 years or so? Um, That's
0: another really good question. Um, so for me, <laughs> You know, I look back now. I look back at five years ago or eight years ago, and what has changed. And like, I don't know that I could have imagined myself here five years ago. And and what we've accomplished in the way the business has changed and grown. So, looking ahead for another five years, ten years, um, I really want to keep working on my riding. Obviously, I'd love to bring a couple of horses back up to the big jumper ring and have some fun at those, you know, at the true national grand prix levels. I'd love to get back up there. Um, And I'd really love to see the Academy blossom into something that's truly serving the community and able to have, you know, a a true riding and horsemanship school that is, like you said, shaping kind of shaping the youth of the industry. I'd love to be part of the part of the change that's pushing, pushing the youth back into the true horsemanship side of things and not just getting on and riding and going to the ring and being able to jump around at the show, like truly understanding the horse and the balance of the mounted and the unmounted work that goes into it that is really really important to me
1: well you're so deserving and as you know your students and your friends all told us so much about you so congratulations once again for being practical horseman's trainer of the year and it was wonderful talking to you and getting to know you
0: thank you so so much it was great getting the chance to chat with you too
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Liz Reeder and a big thank you to the sponsor of this week's episode, Cosequin. Learn more at cosequinequine.com. You can subscribe to the Practical Horseman podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Also, tune into our mini-sode series, The Fod Pod, where you'll hear audio lessons from our favorite Practical Horseman On-Demand clips. At Practical Horseman On-Demand, you can enjoy hundreds of how-to videos and get insider access to exclusive interviews and lectures, slow-motion demonstrations, and step-by-step tutorials taught by top-level pros in the hunter, jumper, equitation, and eventing disciplines. When you tune into the FOD Pod, listen closely for a promo code for 15% off your Practical Horseman on-demand subscription. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. I'm Julia Boutenhouse, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman Podcast.